I have a treat for you today. We'll be talking to the Dr. Temple Grandin, the Yoda, the guru in the autism community about school discipline, how consequences sometimes don't make any sense, how others influence kids in their decisions, how they don't even understand problems sometimes, and ultimately how work, that's right, real work can have a significant impact in their lives. So stay tuned, Dr. Temple Grandin. Welcome to the Andy Jacks Podcast, reflection on education, leadership, and life. Please consider hitting that like button, sharing with others, and letting me know what you think. In this episode, we'll be talking to Dr. Temple Grandin. And I can't believe I'm saying this, but I actually was able to spend some quality time with Temple recently because we interviewed her as a keynote speaker for our Being Awesome virtual mini conference hosted by me and my colleagues and the board of directors for the Autism Society of Northern Virginia. We put together a really neat show of many different perspectives from the autism community. But when I talked to Temple, one of the things that really caught my attention was a discussion on school discipline and how her thoughts on school discipline were very similar to mine, but it really made me think about some different aspects of it that I wasn't thinking about before. So that's the thing I like to share with you today. So in this case, I had Sharon Cummings and her son, Connor, another one of our board members and also advocates in the autism community. And we were discussing with Temple on a lot of different things. Well, let's hear her thoughts. And this is the question I had for her. And this is what we're going to start with with her today is what are your thoughts on school discipline and the challenge that we face in school? And let's hear what she says. But I'm seeing things where... um... You know, kids are getting criminal charges put against them because some right. 10-year-old hit somebody, right. hit another kid. Right. I think sometimes uh, it's happened to logic. You know, because I, I, yeah. I, I had some big fist fights, but it was strictly it was throwing a book and fists. Mm-hmm. And what I ended up having to do is I had to switch from anger to crying. Mm-hmm. That got rid of the anger issue. Mm-hmm. Then you can watch a 60 minute show where when the space shuttle was canceled, the scientists cried mm. on camera, on national TV. Wow. Well, that's why they have those jobs because NASA will fire you if you throw things. <laughs> that's, right. that's right. But in schools, like, like you said, I mean, kids are getting handcuffed and schools are doing crazy things. And I'm literally going around the country speaking about it and trying to convince principals to not do all this stuff. I mean, some of the stuff's crazy. I remember reading something years, 10 years ago, some kid took a Pop-Tart. I mean, you know what that is, a patient. Yeah, and cut in gun. The shape of a gun and got in trouble for that. Yeah. Pop-Tart. Mm-hmm. You know, we lost common sense. And I sometimes think that common sense is visual thinking. Because I can see the Pop-Tart. I can see the kid doing it in my elementary school classroom. Mm-hmm. And this is ridiculous. It's a pastry. And these things are still happening. Not too recently, February 2020, a kindergartner with Down syndrome pointed a finger gun at her teacher. Kindergartner, six years old. The school called the police. The police came to talk to a six-year-old for pointing a gun Finger, not a real gun, gun finger at the teacher. Is it right that she did that? No, you can't do that. We have to deal with the situation. Should we involve the police for a six-year-old? You mean we can't take care of that ourselves in education? We need the police to come? Absolutely not. But I get why they do it. There are threat protocols because we have to treat 
threats seriously. More now than ever, we have to treat threats this way and we have to follow procedures, but we have to also challenge these procedures and make sense of them. Just like, you know, just like Temple said, it makes no sense. Why are we doing this? Analyze the procedures that you have, make sense of them based on context, you know, such as developmental levels, ages, situation, you know, that's why you have to know your kids because when you know your kids and what they're going through, then it helps you make sense of their situations and then ultimately what you should do about it. But calling the police on a six-year-old, yeah, not that. I find a lot of people really respond well. They're just showing a lot of practical examples. Right. But I think what's happened, I mean, some of these things, there's no common sense. You know, they handcuffing, you know, an 11-year-old and take him down to the police station. Mm-hmm. It's what Connor and I are. Now, in my generation, we had uh, some 12-year-olds and some 14-year-olds did a lot of damage one summer. They broke the windows in the school. They um, wrecked, a, did a lot of damage in a partially built house and threw every furniture in the neighbor's swimming pool. And the judge and the parents and everybody got together and they decided that that summer, the kids were going to mow lawns for the entire summer until they paid for it. That's a much more constructive thing to do. Right, right. right. Much better thing to do. Much better solution. And they had to work the entire summer. The windows in the school were expensive and they had wrecked windows on the half built house and they were expensive to replace too. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Yeah. That's what they made them do. I think that's was good. Yeah. yeah. Right. The whole summer, two months of solid lawn mowing and you know, a whole bunch of neighborhoods they had to do pay for it. Yeah, much better. Connor and I work with the political people here in Virginia to try to come up with other solutions instead of mm-hmm. getting them kicked out of school, getting them put in, into jail, into prison. We have a lot of autistic people here in our state that are in jail and they didn't really do anything wrong. They confessed because they thought it was what they were supposed to say mm-hmm. and they just didn't understand and it just elevated. Well, and then you get the wrong kind of kid that sucks them into doing something, too, that they should. Right. There's a little book that Future Horizons puts out called Awkward. And it's kind of like little cartoon scenarios of things you don't do. Awkward by Future Horizons, the publisher. You might find that helpful. Look at it. Then, of course, I got my Way I See It book. Um, That's especially good for elementary school kids. But what's happened to common sense. Mm -hmm. But it's easy to talk about common sense as if it's that common, but we all know that so many of us don't feel the same way about the same things. So how do you make common sense more common and more commonly understood about what we should do? It's pretty simple. You talk about it like this. You listen, you talk, you discuss, you bring up situations, and you talk about what you may do in those situations. With school discipline, that needs to be discussed all the time with school leaders, with teachers, with everyone across the board throughout the school, because it's important that everyone has a similar understanding about how you're going to deal with issues and how you're going to prioritize, you know, that level of urgency, depending on the situation. You have to discuss these things. Well, I think I'm beginning to think the common sense is visual thinking. Hmm. Okay, so if you spill a, you know, you drop grapes on the floor in the grocery store and you're managing the grocery store, you clean it up, 
because you could see that somebody could slip and fall on those grapes, squashing them on the floor. I see it. Right. It's not abstract. So right. you clean them up. A lot of people, a lot of people just react and they overreact instead of just dealing with the problem. They think they have to punish people, you know, like you don't have to go that far. You can just help the child, help the, help the teenager, help the adult, just help them what they need. And let's fix the problem and move forward. We don't always well, have to. It has to be, you know, the penalty for wrecking that stuff and breaking the windows in the school, which was state property. Um, uh, I had to do a lot of lawn mowing when I was a teenager. I kicked a hole in the wall. Mother made me fix it. It took me three days by the time I had to get the stuff and it had to not show. So I had to paint an entire section of walls so it wouldn't show. Mm -hmm. So last time I kicked plastic board. <laughs> and that's a better way to deal with it. And I was the kid that got kicked out of ninth grade for fighting. Yeah. And I went to special school and that did cost a lot of money. Yeah. They put me to work running a horse barn. So I went to the school of horse barn management for about three years. Oh, wow. But I learned how to work. I learned that responsibility. Of, I had nine stalls to clean every single day. Mm -hmm. And I fed them and I put them in and out of the barn. My whole life revolved around horses when I was, a, uh, when I was in high school. Yeah. And I had friends through horses. Mm -hmm. You see, that's the shared interest. I really thank Temple Grandin for her time and speaking with us. You know, it's not an easy subject to talk about, especially with kids with disabilities. One, we have to help kids understand the problems that they're facing and how their behavior affects others. You know, often they don't get what they did wrong. They may not understand the situation. So we have to walk through it with them and think out loud for them. Actually take the whole scenario step by step. And what would you do? Not just what did they do, but talk about what you may have done instead. And maybe you wouldn't have done anything different instead. Maybe it just is what it, the situation is, and you have to learn from that situation and talk it out loud. But there are so many times these kids don't really understand what they're getting themselves into until it's too late. Even then, they don't understand, especially kids with developmental delays. They get taken advantage of so many times by other students. I've been involved with situations where a child was coerced into doing something wrong by another student. And then guess who gets in trouble? It's like, you know, it's like, in the NFL, it's not the first guy who throws a punch. It's the second guy who throws a punch that gets the flag and gets ejected. That's often what happens. And, you know, there's no instant replay in schools. Well, I guess there may be on the bus. You know, you can watch the tape. But in real life, it's you don't get those kind of instant replays. So you're often hearing about the second person who got coerced into something, not the person who actually did the coercing and manipulating that student. So we have to watch out for our kids. And just because they did something wrong doesn't mean that it's really all their fault we have to dig deep into that situation, not automatically react. You know, this kid comes up to us and said, you know, so-and-so did this. And then you just say, fine, boom, this is what they get for it. No, you cannot do that. You really got to slow down and think about what happened. Also, there's another piece that um, Temple talks about here. And she talks about it even further in the, in the full interview that we did, the, the keynote that we did, is work. Kids need work. They need to do work anyways. But ultimately, they need to do work after disciplinary situations. She talks about how she had to care for the horses. But that completely changed her life around because she then found that love for the livestock industry, which was is one of her hallmark you know, leadership traits is all the work that she's done with them. So because of a disciplinary issue, she then her whole life trajectory changed, you know, for the better. 
So think about the work that needs to happen in the long-term, you know, benefits of students working, not just getting in trouble and having some type of like consequence getting kicked out of school, which we all know, I'm going to spend a lot more time in another podcast talking about the, the negative impact of kicking kids out of school. But what are the benefits of work and thinking about the long game, how the work can change behavior in the long game? You know, not only does it ha- help that feeling of responsibility, but responsibility leads to feeling valued and feeling that you have value. The daily routine in work leads to natural, positive social interactions, which then lead to friendships, like authentic, real friendships that are based on shared interest and shared experiences. There's a great article by Psychology Today, and it talks about these, the title is, What Psychological Benefits Do You Get From Work? And you may be thinking, I wish I had more time away from work and maybe I get more benefits if I didn't have more work. But there are huge benefits for working. And I, I mean, I see this. I, I, I enjoy the aspect of work. Not everything I have to do for work, but there's a sense of accomplishment from doing work. But in this article, it talks about a handful of things I want to highlight for this today, which is one, work can provide friendship. And that's so true. The, the people you work with often are some of your very best friends. Work can provide a sense of stability when life is rocky, especially with kids that are struggling. Giving them a, a routine of jobs that they could do gives them that understanding of, oh, this is what I'm going to do today. Maybe there's a lot of other things I'm not really unsure about what's going to happen, but I know I'm going to do this and I'm going to do that successfully. Work can also provide an intellectual challenge, that little scaffolding, that push to something that may be a little bit different than what they're used to doing, um, but they could be successful at it and then they feel good about that, which then grows self-efficacy. Work can help you maintain a positive identity and self-worth. We all identify ourselves in the work that we do. You know, I'm a school leader. I, you can't take the school leader out of me and identify me in another way. Of course, I'm a father and everything else. But that, that leadership piece is so much of who I am. And I value that. And we all value that sense of what we do for a living and how that can uh, help others. And so do kids. And the kids need that aspect, especially some of our kids need it because um, they, may, they may not feel that they have like you know, value or they may not know who they are um, and what they can provide others. So also work can help you understand the world and other people and yourself. You know, those moments and situations that you're working often lead to these little subtle, like hidden, uh, hidden curriculum, hidden uh, instructional lessons that you really just can't even manufacture. It just, it just, it develops you over time. You know, they always say experience is so important. Well, that's what kids need. Kids need experience and they need positive work-like experiences. So I'm gonna give you a few examples of this. One, I had a situation years ago where I had a child that had some disciplinary issues and every day he came to my office and watered my plants. And before you start criticizing me for having a kid do manual labor, this isn't child labor, no child labor laws here. Why did I have a child come to my office and water plants that I had? In fact, I bought the plants just for that situation. Because me, if I can't water plants, the plants are all going to die because I will never remember to water plants. I'm such a terrible, like, I don't have greenery around my office. If you see green in my office, it's probably fake, the fake plants. So, but at the time I did this so that the child could come into my office for a positive way, for a positive uh, time, not just to get in trouble. So every day this child came in, watered my plants, and it gave us a, a great moment to discuss life, not, you know, a negative behavior or something like that, but it just, it just created a little bit of a moment which over time create a phenomenal friendship and that relationship helps to turn that behavior around over time. So you're not gonna just change something around one day, but over time you really can. Another example recently was, uh, even though we're in the middle of COVID and we're trying to get all these kids back into school, there's a lot of things we took away that we 
these missed opportunities that we didn't give our kids. One of them was safety patrols. And so this year we finally able to get safety patrols, our fifth graders back in action. They get the belt, they get the badge, they get it all. And, you know, it doesn't seem as important for us because yeah, whatever safety patrols, but for them, you can just see it in their face, the way they carry themselves. It means everything and do, you know, they're walking around with pride. They have a real sense of responsibility. We have a, you know, my son right now is, is raising the flag every day with a couple of other kids. And it's a job. It's a really important. But do all of your kids have this opportunity? You know, it's really a missed opportunity. If not, are you only giving it to, quote, the good kids? By the way, who are those, quote, good kids? And who picks, quote, the good kids? I keep using the air quotes because we all know that that is such a relative term that is has so much bias involved in determining who the, quote, good kids are that we have to really be careful on limiting these opportunities for kids that we consider that way. All kids deserve these opportunities and they need them to develop themselves. In fact, you can widen the gap by giving only these opportunities to kids who are already doing well. You really need to give these opportunities for kids who are struggling because it gives them these work-like experiences to develop themselves, to feel valued, to feel self-worth, to have an identity. You've got to give them these jobs. You got to, if you can't, if you don't have a job, you got to make up jobs, just like I did by bringing a plant in my office. You got to make up things that kids can do around school, delivering things across the school, whatever that may be. You have to find something that's going to create a sense of self-worth, put kids to work. Again, don't come out to me with the child labor laws. You know what I mean? So every child could be a leader, even those most struggling. They will all look at themselves differently when you give them those kind of opportunities, but it's your turn. So I hope this conversation helped with Temple Grandin. I can't wait to share more of this in my book coming out this year. These stories of how we can change behaviors based on real practical solutions and helping to rethink even the, the very essence of how we look at school discipline, that long game, how we're gonna help kids in the long run. So in the meantime, reach out to me if you need any help. I know this stuff isn't easy and it helps to talk it out. So that's it. You got this. Go get after it. Have a great day. That wraps up this episode. Follow me on social media at underscore Andy Jacks. Check out my website, andyjacks.com, and sign up for my updates and blog posts. And please do me a favor. Can you go follow and rate this podcast so I know that you're connected? Have a great day, everybody. Go get after it.